You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 62. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show, everybody. My name is Jesse Mogul. You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am in addiction recovery, and I am super pumped to get into this episode as this is the end of the three-part series that I have been working on this week. If you've listened to episode 60, then you've now covered your limiting beliefs and the ideas that you have around those. If you have listened to episode 61, then you now understand more about impossible goals and possible goals and how that you can start to utilize those in your life to accomplish things that you never thought possible. Today, we're going to cover massive action versus passive action because you have released or you're beginning to release and to understand your limiting beliefs that you've held onto about yourself for so long. You have gone through and thought about the possible tasks that you could be working on, the ones that are you know simpler, like cleaning your closet or organizing your garage or washing your car, and you're thinking about impossible goals, uh, where you would like to see your life in three, six, nine, twelve months. Maybe it's a new career, maybe it's a new job, maybe it's a, a new way of life. When it comes to your physical health, um, deeper, more meaningful relationships, whatever it is that you might have in your mind that seems impossible. What generally gives us the idea that they are impossible is the amount of time <laughs> that we're going to have to spend working on that. Now, normally I open up these episodes with three, four, five minutes of me just you know going through what's been happening throughout the week. But really, everything that I have been thinking about has led up to this moment of massive versus passive action. I've had multiple people uh, interviewed for the podcast this week. Uh, I've been to a couple online meetings. I'm going to be heading a YPR meeting, Young People in Recovery, on Monday night. I'm going to be on a podcast next week. Uh, I've been doing so much of the massive action that it takes to grow the show, to grow the listenership, to grow my experience in this career that I have chosen as a NLP master practitioner, as a public speaker, as a motivational speaker, as an author. Um, I just finished the Life's Blueprint, my very first coaching program, and I've sent that out to uh, one person to have it beta tested. And uh, when I get feedback on that, I'll be able to start sending it out to other people and see what they think about it. Um, It's something I have been working on for quite some time. And A lot of people might think, well, that's pretty massive action right there, dude. You wrote your program. You need to have, I needed to have the program done in order to fulfill my long-term goals with what it is that I uh, am seeking to achieve. Um, But building a program is not becoming a world-renowned motivational speaker. Building a program is not what is going to get me in front of people and spreading my message. It is not what is going to get me hired by colleges. It's not what's going to get me hired by addiction recovery centers. It's not what's going to get me invited to places to speak. What's going to do that is me actually going out and speaking and me contacting places and letting them know that I'm available to come speak, to not have people know who I am 
and just be doing all this stuff in my house, that is the passive action, right? The program needs to get written, but at the same time, it's not necessary for me to go out and speak. It is not necessary for me to coach. People who listen to this show can say, I I resonate with Jesse, so I would love to have him coach me, right? That might be you. All it takes is for us to coordinate that, get together, and now I'm coaching you. Your life is up-leveling. Things are awesome. They're super amazing, right? Where we end up getting lost in what passive versus massive action is, is that we think that what we're doing to prepare for something is massive action, especially when it's something like writing a book or um, getting our resume together, um, contacting places to go and interview at for a new job. Like That's all action that needs to take place, but what gets us hired for that new job is actually going in there and nailing the interview. What gets me hired for the speaking engagements is going and speaking and then proving to people by putting together a reel, again, something that seems massive but is actually a bit passive. Got to put together the reel so people can see that I can speak on stage, but it's in that putting of all of that together and getting it out there that allows people to know, oh, he can speak, but I'm not really a speaker until I go speak. Phone going off. Here's a quick reminder. Um, put the phone on mute before you start shooting a podcast. Um, and this is where it can get murky for you guys. And so I want you to be mindful that by no means should you knock yourself for the things that you are doing that um, are working your way towards fulfilling that ultimate goal that you have for yourself. It's just very being very mindful of getting stuck in this loop of constantly creating things and doing things to prepare for where you want to be, but then actually taking that step out there and doing it. For me, the podcast, at times it can be very passive action-oriented because I am super comfortable with this headset on. I am super comfortable pacing back and forth in my house or my room or wherever I happen to be shooting it at the time and putting together my show notes and having some research done and getting on here and just, you know, talking to you guys. You know, one of the things that I I consistently seem to be getting as a compliment is that my tone and the way I discuss these things is very conversational. That was always an intention. But when I first started shooting my first podcast four years ago, that is not how I came off. I put a lot of really hard work into um, having my ideas come out succinctly so that they were understandable to to you guys, so that all the listeners who came about, no matter how experienced you were in what I'm talking about, you were going to be able to follow it, right? There was a lot of very massive action then to get to where I am now. So something to always keep in mind is that what was once massive action to you can eventually turn into passive action when it becomes comfort zone-ish, right? I get on a stage and I still start to shake. My eyeballs bounce around in my eye sockets. I get super excited about sharing my message and it can come off very, um, I can be very sporadic. I can talk extremely fast. I cannot look the audience in the eye. I can forget very important things that I wanted to say, all because my excitement level is through the roof and I can't control that. Whereas with the podcast, it is just so ingrained in me that 
this process has, it's, it's a comfort zone now. And so this is something I've, I literally think I've just thought of during this is that what was once uh, massive can become passive when it becomes in your comfort zone. Think about when you go to the gym. Think about whenever you have these conversations with your close personal loved ones. Uh, when we dive into this here in a minute, you're going to start to understand how things that once were difficult, um, it, when they become easy, now all of a sudden that, that's more passive action-oriented. If I'm used to lifting a dumbbell that's 30 pounds to build my biceps and it's tough and then three months later, it's easy. If I keep lifting the 30-pound dumbbell, that becomes passive because I'm not bringing about what it is that I truly want. If I want bigger arms, I have to continue to push myself. And in order to do that, I have to go in the gym. I have to pick up something that is extremely heavy and lift it as many times as possible. Massive action is the act of actually doing what it is you've always wanted to do that will lead you to the outcome that you desire. If I could put that in font 72 and bold that, I would. So I will repeat it. Massive action is the follow through of doing what it is you actually want to be doing. So it leads you to the outcome you desire. I can sit in my room and write 10 books and put them on Amazon, but if I don't go out and promote them, if I don't go out there and talk about them from stage, if I don't get on podcasts, if I don't go on radio shows and talk about this, no one will know the book exists. There's only so much SEO, search engine optimization, and there's only so many keywords, and there's only so many hashtags I can use to get people to discover what it is I'm talking about. So many people in this world are passionate about something. They care deeply about something and they're afraid to share it. And I don't want to be one of those people. When I feel the fear, I move through it. And if I can't move through it, then I just say, fuck it. I'm going to do it afraid. Because I would rather do it afraid and have it not come off as best as possible. Maybe even have some people, you know, reject it and say, whatever, dude, you're freaking nuts. And have it land with other people and be able to say, well, I didn't get the whole room, but I got those 10 people. And that means those are the 10 people who needed to hear it. Those were the 10 people who are ready for it the most. So when you start to ask yourself, what is it that you're doing in your life to bring about that outcome that you desire? It's when you release those limiting beliefs and you step into your impossible goals and say, I will make these a possibility that you truly begin to open up to the world that is around you, that you, if what it is you are capable of. When Brooke Castillo, my life coach, told me to make impossible goals, and I set insane ones like, I want to make six figures this year, when I've never even come remotely close to doing that as a speaker and a coach and an author, <laughs> 90% of all my money has come from the hospitality industry since I've lived in Los Angeles. I've only been doing this for a short amount of time, a couple years since I got sober, and I have not made a dent in the industry. But I will, and it's coming, and the hard work I'm doing now is laying down the road that I will travel upon. I often say when people move to L.A., I was like, it's like, a lot of people wash out of the city. And I say, you know you washed out when you leave and the industry doesn't even know you were ever there. If you stayed in LA for three, five, six, ten years, how many ever it is, and when you leave, it's like the industry doesn't even know that you were ever there, then did you really push yourself as hard as you could have? 
saying that you gave it the old college try when all you did was just sit in your room for three years and think about programs and build some programs and post some things on Facebook, but you never went out there and really put in the hard nitty gritty work, then, then all you were doing was preparing the whole time. And preparing is not massive action. The hardest part about massive action can just be overcoming what it is you think you can and cannot do. You have to push through that. You have to release this fear of judgment. You have to know that the lessons learned from moving forward, even when you are afraid, is the best part about personal growth. It's, that, it's in that moving forward that we gain that experience. It's within those experiences that we see what we're, what we're doing well and what we could be doing better. Passive action, that's the easy part. It's like warming up. Every athlete seems like a badass. Every athlete seems amazing when they're shooting around in warm-ups or they're throwing the ball on the field two hours before kickoff. They all look cool in their uniform under the lights. They all seem like the warriors, gladiators, supreme badasses. It's not until that whistle blows that then they get to prove themselves. Then they get to show to themselves, their teammates, to everyone watching, to the rest of the world, that they prepared to the best of their abilities. That is when they're in the game, the whistle blows, and that's when the execution of that game plan, that's what determines if they are the victor or not. From Monday through Saturday, as NFL players are looking over game film and looking at playbooks and lifting the weights and being in the cooler full of ice to get their muscles prepared, all that, while important, is passive action. Because they don't get an actual opportunity to win a football game until they're on that field, the whistle blows, and there you go. You got three to four hours, figure it out. Now, some of you want, might want to reject this and say, dude, I, I'm working my ass off over here. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I got my workout clothes. I got my workout program. I bought the healthy food. You know, I'm watching how to cook, you, uh, how to cook on YouTube. You know, I've got my workout book. I've got my pen and paper. I know that I've got my gym membership. That is awesome. All of that is awesome. Because if you don't do all of that stuff, you will not be prepared to the best of your abilities when you walk into the gym to lift those weights, to go home and eat, the, eat that delicious food that will grow those muscles. But I am sorry to tell you, all of that stuff I just mentioned is passive action. The, the part of... Okay, let's break this down like I would if I was going to talk about the four components, right? Physical, emotional, mental, spiritual. You've heard me talk about those. You can go back in some of my episodes. I don't think it's too hard. I know I talk about it in Life's Blueprint episode, which I think is episode 36. Think about the physical. Passive action. Buying gym clothes. Getting the workout program. Buying the groceries. Right? Things that you need to be able to go. into. You can't go to the gym in freaking dress shoes and, and a suit got to get a workout program. You can't just go in there and just start randomly doing things. You need to have a program so that you're, you know what muscle group you're working out each day, how many reps and how much rest. You, you, need these, you need these parameters. The massive action comes in the working out. The massive action comes in the, the cooking of the food. Cooking the food, eating the food, that's nutrition to the body. It will help your body recover. Boom, shakalaka. Massive action would be going to bed so that you can get eight hours of sleep. I know, right? 
going to bed in a timely manner so you can get a good night's rest, that's actually massive action. Taking a shower before, drinking some warm milk, whatever it is you do to prepare brushing your teeth, that's the passive action. That is not actually the act of sleeping. (laughs) It is just not. Let's look at the emotional uh, component. Passive would be reading about relationships, thinking about what you're going to say when you have those conversations with your loved ones, with your partners, with your kids, right? Passive would be talking to the therapist. Now, hear this one out because I know I, I, I have a therapist and, and if you have a therapist, you should have a therapist. They're amazing. But that's still passive action. Talking to the therapist is passive action. Here's the massive action when it comes to talking to that therapist. Learning from what you and the therapist uncovered about yourself, where you found those traumas, where you dug deep, where those tears finally came out, where you began to release that stuff, and then you go out there and you live a more exceptional life with that knowledge in your head, with those things that you discuss with the therapist out of the shadows and into the light so that you can begin to change them, so that you can begin to redirect your story, so that you can begin to redirect your life unearthing the trauma, unearthing that that uh, time capsule, that trauma time capsule I talked about in, in last week's episode, or in the impossible one, episode 61. That trauma time capsule, unearthing it, right? You need to get it in front of you, but now what do you do with it? It'd be like a real time capsule. Digging it out of the ground just gets it in front of you. Now you got to open it, and now what are you going to do with everything inside of it? That's where the massive action is. What are you going to do now that it's in the light? Other massive actions in your relationships would be actually having that vulnerable conversation. Acting on what you read in those books. Being more deep and honest with those that are the closest to you. Preparing for that deep conversation is not the same as having it. Anyone who's ever gotten in an argument with their partner can attest to that one. Thinking about what you're going to say in your head is not the same as actually walking up to them and saying it. Let's think about our mental component. Passive action, again, it goes back to the reading and learning. Reading and learning are great, but now what are you going to do with all that freaking amazing knowledge? I have been on an input hiatus for about the last month or two as I finish up as I finished up with the College Success Habits book, which will be launching around mid-May. We'll talk more about that later. Um, I've been putting together the Life's Blueprint program. I've been spending about the last month on it. Right, I had to get those creations done, so no more input. No more reading new material. No more listening to amazing podcasts. I just had to stop. I couldn't take on any more input because when I did, I learned something new, and then I'd want to go back and change freaking a thousand words in my college book. Or I'd, I'd listen to something amazing on uh, on an Audible book, and now all of a sudden I'm wanting to change the entire emotional component in the Life's Blueprint program. Every time I learn something, it's like, oh my God, i got to put that in there. Well, if I continue to put all these inputs in my head, and then I continue to um, tinker with the things that I'm trying to create, then they never actually get done. They never get into your hands. They never change lives. I don't have the opportunity to make version number two because I'm still tinkering with version number one. Somebody who believes that tinkering is massive action ends up having a book that they've been editing for two years while I'm already on book four. Massive action with your mental acuity, with the things that you learn, means creating something with them. 
having a conversation with somebody else who challenges that new way of thinking. Or maybe they agree with you, but now you get to expand on that way of thinking. Passive action in high school or college is studying for the test. Massive action is taking the test and kicking its ass. Going back to the athlete metaphor or analogy, I never really could f- have figured out that yet, which one's what, but um, I, in my head, for I just keep picturing Patrick Mahomes. I love that guy. He's, he's just such an exciting football player. If you've watched the Super Bowl, then you saw him win. And I can't help but think like, how much studying that guy must do on that playbook to understand offenses and the defensive schemes. And that it, there's just so much going on in a football field other than just dudes smashing into each other. All that studying of the playbook and preparing mentally for the game is passive action. The massive action comes when there's four minutes left to go in the game, and he's got to put on a drive that seals the frickin' victory for the championship. That's when he gets to put all that mental acuity that he was picking up and putting in, you know, putting in his head. It, that's when it gets put to the test is when he's in the game. You have to be in the game to be participating in massive action. You have to be. And I don't begin to think I can come up with every single scenario. So you're going to have to do some work here and you're going to have to think about some ways that you've been passive acting when you could have been massive acting. When it comes to your spirituality, which is my fourth component, which isn't necessarily about religion. We've talked about this before. Morals, ethics, values, things of that nature. That's your spirituality. It could be your yoga, your breath work. It could be your religion. I do believe that that when religion came about, the whole idea was to teach people how to live moral and ethical and value-based lives. So this is why spirituality and, and religion can so often be confused as being the same thing. But reading the Bible and then going off and following its tenets and being kind to those who are downtrodden and, and, and feeding the homeless and, and bathing the poor and all those things that Jesus did, you know, he could sit there and talk all day about kissing the leper's feet until he goes and kisses the leper's feet. That's all just talk. I don't know many, much about other religions, so I won't try to bring up examples in them because I'll just butcher that. I don't know much about the Bible either. I have read certain chapters, I'm a big fan of Job and Proverbs, but my point is not about to test my knowledge on Jesus here. It's that when you read things that are meant to help you spiritual your spirituality, it's not until you actually go out and put those to the test, you actually go out and do them, that you begin to grow and put that um, knowledge to use. You can watch YouTube videos on how to do yoga all day long. That's passive. You want to get down on the ground and start doing some yoga, that's massive action. If what your outcome you desire is to have a better um, holistic vibe is to breathe deeper is to understand all those things about yoga that I don't understand. I go to yoga. So my body stretches out and I sweat. I know other people have a whole different thing. I know I've read on some websites, yoga is like tens of thousands of years old and it's got some really awesome meaning behind it that Western civilization has, has decided to just sort of askew to the side in favor of Lululemons and, uh, you know, non, and, uh, non throwawayable water bottles that we fill up and we're saving the planet, right? Like yoga is is much more than what we're even beginning to think about. And again, not trying to get off into that diatribe. I'm just trying to say that whatever you want from your spirituality, learning about it is not the same as actually going out and doing it and practicing it. 
I'm a huge fan of Reiki and yoga and meditation, and I'm not the great, I am not great at any of them, but I still practice them. I still flip on a, a yoga video and I'll stretch around. And yes, I understand that I should be breathing and be mindful. And there's this amazing holistic thing that can happen when the body, when it fully takes it on. I, I get that. I see people doing Tai Chi in the, at, at Runyon Canyon and they're moving all slow. And I mean, it, it looks like Mr. Miyagi off in the distance as the sun is setting. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> that is awesome that they do that. And I know that they're, they're, they're doing this mind, body, spirit thing while they do it. But watching them do it is not the same as me doing it. Any more than seeing a beautiful place in a picture or on a YouTube video is the same as you going there. I used to think that. I used to think, well, you know what? I, I've seen the Serengeti. I've seen the Maldives. I've seen this, that, or the other. And I don't need to go there. Until I started to travel right out of college and then I realized, oh, it is not the same. Thinking you know about the world because you have passively looked at pictures and watched planet Earth uh, or seven continents, one planet, does not mean that you have any idea what it's like to stand on that hallowed ground. Going there is massive action. Reading about going there on LonelyPlanet.com is passive. You have to act upon what it is you want to be doing in order to have the outcome you desire that is where the massive action lies. If you have been listening to Brooke Castillo's podcast, because I talk about her so much, I feel like she's the co- the silent co-host to this show. Um, you can Google the Life Coaching School in massive action. Um, I haven't listened to it in quite some time because I feel like I've completely have understood it and have embraced it. And there's plenty of opportunities in uh, the private podcast she has for uh, the students for me to learn more about it. My point is that you can go over there and she'll give you her take on it. Um, This is my take. I I only reference that because you're going to have your own take. And what is true to you is what matters. What I might consider passive action right now, you might consider some pretty freaking amazing action. To you, it might be massive action. To me, I might not think going and picking up your kid at school on time is massive action. But if you're coming from a place where addiction has damn near destroyed you and your family and you promised your child you would pick them up at 3.30 and you were there at 3.25, then that's massive action. I'm not here to tell you that if you don't have a deep, vulnerable conversation on the drive home, that that's not massive action. Your version of massive action is your version to decide. I'm just pushing you to make sure that you don't stay in a comfort zone where you think that something that was once massive is still massive if you've been doing it now for the last 90 days. If I'm finding you at day one of sobriety and recovery, then just staying sober today is massive action. And I am proud for you and I raise you up and I laud you. You're an amazing person because I know what the depths of despair can look like at the bottom of a bottle or on the bedroom floor or waking up in an alley with your freaking whatever your drug of choice laced all over your face. Whatever that might be, bless you for being sober today. Bless all of us. But if I'm finding you at month 9 or 18 or 117, then just being happy with yourself or being sober one more day isn't going to cut it anymore. 
once you've gotten yourself to the point where you're not white-knuckling it and you're out of sobriety and you're in addiction recovery, just sitting here saying, ah, you know, I'm, eh, whatever, my day is whatever. Eh, it's it's massive victory. I was still sober today. Well, yeah, and that's great, and I'm never going to take that away from you, so don't take my tone and, and sort of my harshness right now as any other message other than, yes, being sober is amazing, but at what point does that stop being amazing for you? At what point do you say, no, I demand more from myself? I demand to reach for that impossible goal and one day look back and think, how the hell did I ever think that was impossible? I demand that you go past where you think you can so that one day you look back and go, wow, I have 10 impossible goals behind me. What are the next 10 coming up? I'm going to knock the hell out of those two while I'm at it. The point of this show isn't to sit here and coddle you and tell you that everything's going to be okay. Just stay stagnant. Don't try to grow. Hey, thank God you're sober. Yes, for all of us, thank God we're sober. Thank God, because for many of us, we wouldn't even be here right now. But there has to come in a point in your addiction recovery journey where, thank God I'm sober, isn't something that you can hang your hat on anymore. It is now the foundation. Like, it'd be like you're living in a gigantic house, and every single night you went, you know, patted the wall and said, boy, thank God my house didn't fall down today. (laughs) Well, yeah, I hope not. (laughs) <laughs> I hope that the foundation is strong. I hope that when the, the two-by-fours were put together to, for, to form the frame of the house and the drywall was put on it, all this stuff that was done to make it a sound structure, that's great. The house just standing every single day for the next 20 years is not an accomplishment. It's expected. You need to start seeing yourself as a person where certain things are now expected. You want to start seeing yourself as a person where these things are expected. Being sober today should be expected. You've got a million awesome things ahead of you. Don't don't look back. You know what that movie looks like. You've already played it out to the credits 30,000 times. You don't need to see that movie again. That That movie was once super enjoyable and became super shitty. And thank God we got out of that theater in time before it killed us. Now, again, because I don't know where you're at in your sobriety and recovery journey. If you're at day one, then look forward to feeling this way in the future. If you're at day 10,117, then I guarantee you, you have sponsored people, you have helped people, you have spread your message. I promise you, without even knowing you, that you're not sitting here white-knuckling it any longer, and you know that it is expected of you to be sober each day. But we also always remember that relapse doesn't just happen in an instant. We begin to lay down that rugged path well before the moment where we relapse actually happens. So we're always mindful. We're always mindful of our behaviors, of our actions, of the feelings that bring about those behaviors and actions, the thoughts that trigger those feelings that bring about those behaviors and actions. And we are mindful of the circumstances, of the events that are happening in our lives and how we are responding rather than reacting. When you can get your emotional triggers 
under control, when you can understand where they come from, when you can release those limiting beliefs that you've held on to yourself that have become the story you have read over and over and over again that led you down the path of addiction, you broke through those limiting beliefs to in order to get sober. When you made that decision, even if you only made it a day on off of heroin or two days off heroin or three days off heroin, and now you're sitting at day four, maybe you relapse, maybe you don't. I don't know what's going to happen in your life today. Only you can control that. But whether you relapse or you don't, tomorrow you wake up and you try, try again, and you keep pushing, 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 pushing. Because once you have the thought in your head that you want to become sober, that you want to get into addiction recovery, it is only a matter of time before it finally clicks. And bless you, I hope it clicks. I found out today from someone that they had somebody go into rehab and they watched their house for them. And then when they got out two weeks later they were, they were were from rehab, they were dead. And so I hope that it clicks for everyone. I hope that you're you're able to release those limiting beliefs that you have about yourself that are holding you back, that are telling you that you're not worthy, that you're not enough, that this is the life you've always had and this is the only life that you ever will have. I, I hope that we can all help each other release these fixed beliefs that we have around each other, that we can start to see that within us is the opportunity to grow and become whatever we want to become, that we have the opportunity to not only accomplish the little possible goals that are still equally amazing, but then to go after the impossible goal. The impossible goal. That, my friends, that is where the wonderment lies. Here soon, you guys are going to hear Jim Hernandez from Valor Fitness Clothing. He's got an Instagram account. If you guys go over and check out Valor Fitness Clothing, he's got a picture of this guy holding himself up on a metal pole so that his body is completely perpendicular to it. He looks like a flag. And it's always been one of my fitness goals to be able to pull that off. To me, that's an impossible goal because it wasn't too long ago that I could barely do a pull-up. Coming out of my addiction and getting into sobriety, I could not even do a pull-up. Now I can do 22 of them in a row. But three years ago, I could not. Three years ago, doing 10 pull-ups would have been an impossible goal to me. Now my new impossible goal is 30. It's all because I put massive action to the point. Every day I went into that gym and I pushed myself. And that's why one day you're going to look back. If you continue to push yourself with all of this massive action, one day that impossible goal will be laughably possible to you. And you will be required, nay, you will be expected to raise that bar. Because somebody out there is watching you. Somewhere out there, your story is going to save somebody else's life. For every one person who passes away for addiction and their story is remembered by somebody else in the recovery community and they go share that, somebody else who is on the edge of life or death, determines right then and there to pull back from that edge and say, no more. I will change. I must change. This is not how my story ends. You decide how your story ends. You decide how your story plays out because you release those limiting beliefs that were placed upon you as a child. You couldn't control them. You sat there and you watched one of your parents drink themselves away and treat everyone around them like shit. And then somehow you woke up one day and you were just like them. And then you decided, no more. You release these limiting beliefs. You will set impossible goals. You will take massive action toward them. And you will succeed. 
I believe in you. I know you can do it because I did it and I'm not special. What makes me special is that I know that I'm not special. I'm just another human on this flying rock through space who's just trying to make the most of this life I have been blessed with so that my soul can learn what it needs to learn here and I can take those lessons on into the next life. I used to think that getting sober and overcoming addiction was why I was put on this planet. Now I believe that helping other people overcome addiction and live their best life was why I was put on this planet. I honestly used to think that just living through 22 years of addiction was why I was put on this planet. And once I had done that, my, my, my soul's mission was over. That's super limiting and not something I believe about myself anymore. What I once thought impossible, being sober and being alive at 43, became super possible. So then what I once thought was my ultimate goal should just be sober became, since that was super possible, that couldn't have been why I was put on this planet. I had to raise the bar. It's time for you to raise your bar. If you've made it only one day sober, raise your bar, make it two. If it's been a month, raise your bar, make it two. If it's been a year, raise your bar, make it two. If you don't talk in meetings, raise your hand, do it today. If you don't have vulnerable conversations with the people that you've hurt or who've hurt you so that you can mend these traumas, because remember, forgiveness isn't for them, it's for yourself. If you can't release those things, that deep down dark sadness, then how are you possibly ever going to raise up into the light if you're still holding on to those anchors? Do it today. Everything that you want in life is possible if you prioritize it and you put your attention towards it. You move through it with massive action. You do it even if you're afraid. Because on the other side of that is that sense of accomplishment that we feed on, that we love, that truly opens us up to the best version of ourselves ever. These three shows put together were brought about because of the quarantine, because I hear so many people with this limiting mindset, this fixed mindset, these limiting beliefs holding them back when the whole world is their oyster. If they would just stop listening to the voices in their head telling them that it's not. Stop listening to the people closest to you who are they themselves being dragged down by these anchors of limiting beliefs who just thrust theirs upon you because if they see you rise up, now they're going to have to rise up. And they don't want to do that. They don't want to do that. They're in their comfort zone of misery. They're in their comfort zone of, of life. They're in their comfort zone right where they're at. They're good. They've been treading water. Don't hand me a five-pound brick. I've been treading water with nothing. I'm good over here doing that. But you're not good over there doing that any longer. You're ready to rise up. If you hear me say all this stuff and you think, this dude's full of shit, this guy's cockamamie, whatever, dude. I've never done that before. I can't do that. I mean, that's limiting beliefs in your ear whispering, and I can only cheerlead so much until you finally take on what I'm saying and believe it within yourself, and you start to make the changes that allow you to see the pure beauty and essence of the life that is in front of you when you look into the mirror. 
Massive action is about doing those things that will bring about the outcome you have always desired for yourself, to have the life and to live the lifestyle that you have always wanted. So take these three shows together, limiting beliefs, impossible goals, and massive action, and listen to them as much and as many times as you need to until you start to believe in yourself the way that I believe in myself. Like I said, I know it's possible because I once used to look in the mirror and hate the man looking back at me. And now I love this person so much. And each day I try my damnedest. I work my ass off. I see where I've done great. I see where I could be doing better. And I put my attention towards those parts of me I know can get better. Everything can get better. I am sure even Arnold Schwarzenegger, when he was Conan the Barbarian, or back when he was Mr. Olympia for seven times in a row, could look at one of his muscles and say, that could be better. It doesn't mean that you don't applaud what you've already accomplished. It just means that you keep pushing yourself each time you accomplish something else that's great. There is no end to this journey. Each day is a new beginning. Thank you so much for listening to From Sobriety to Recovery again, guys. This has been a pleasure and an honor to have you here. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. I'll see you again soon. Bye-bye.